Welcome everyone to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for everything horror. Now here's your hosts, Justin and Brandon. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for all things horror. We are your hosts. My name is Brandon. And my name is Justin. Welcome to the show. Indeed. So <laughs> you all right friend, there? You look- uh, Patrick uh, got a big haul of crap, and he keeps sending me pictures. I was going to say, you look like you're preoccupado over there. Just a scush, but I'm back. Hey, it has no problem. Is it, is it, what, McDonald's toys again, or? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, yeah. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We're glad you're here um, mm-hmm. to talk with us about one of my recent favorites. Um, I mean, it's been uh, it's been around for ten years now, um, so it's not long? old. Yeah, 2011 is what a what it said there. Yeah, time flies, especially with as well, shitty as everything is right late. now. I think that's the because pr- I didn't see it until after. I was, like, married and stuff, so oh, I definitely okay. didn't catch it until later on. Right. I didn't see it in 2011 or anything like that, but it. Um, the more I watch it, the more I like it. Um, this seems like it'd be a fun thing to do side stories on, I guess. Maybe give us, like, a, a, a prequel. Obviously, the way that this movie ended, there isn't going to be a sequel to it. But yeah, that's like, what I was thinking. I was like, I remember hearing about possibility of a sequel, and I was like, you know, after remembering most of it, obviously mm-hmm. not the ending, right. I was like, yeah, it's a sequel to this, a side quote where we're exploring, you know, this happening before or a different, you know, right when they or, reboot it or whatever, or how every like the United States is um, one of the many countries in which participates in this sort of event. I guess, and, you know, getting a glimpse into other, you know, facilities, uh, prequels of, you know, even just one, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe an origin story of the complex. Yeah, or something like that. So I'd just be curious to see, because I feel like there's a lot here. Yeah. There's a lot, and maybe that's why I like it so much, is that, like, there's not a a definitive explanation on... Who, what, where, why, how any of the creatures got to be where they're at? Anything to do with the Titans? Like, mm-hmm. so that's what I was wondering. Like, are these, I mean, I know they're real in the sense that they can attack and kill people, but like, is that an actual person that was turned into a werewolf? Is this right. an actual family that did the things that they're saying and mm-hmm. got zombified? Or are how they all bi- just like created? Exactly. How big are the Titans? Well, judging by that uh, arm at the end, pretty big. Decent size, but I mean, is it like kaiju size? Are we talking about maybe like Godzilla-esque size creatures, King Kong, maybe bigger? I mean, given the way that the arm shot up out of the ground, like it's not... I'm trying to think in comparison to that. I mean, the cabin's not very big. No. I would say the cabin is maybe about the size of its palm. That's what I mean, yeah, like... A, so I mean, I wouldn't even bomb. go as far as I wouldn't go even King Kong size. Probably smaller than that. Right, and so uh, and the way that I take this is that each of the facilities that you know, Japan and Singapore or whatever, um, I don't remember each one of the locations, but each one of those, I'm mm. wondering if they're housing their own 
Titan and these places are specific, like specifically right. placed in order to kind of house and maintain these things. But, like, and they also make it seem like only one of them has to succeed. Right. Which like is like, otherwise they would be popping up all over the place. Yeah. So how one set of deaths can satiate a whole group of them across the planet. Right. Seems strange. Because you never, you don't know how many there are. You don't know yeah. if it's just one giant one that is like basically swimming in the center of the earth that can just pop up if somebody doesn't meet their quota. Like there's a lot of um a lot of interesting things here that kind of make the brain try to figure out how it's going to work and so maybe that's what makes it more interesting is what we don't know, which is right. you know a thing that I preach about seemingly weekly. But yeah. so Without um, further delay, we'll go ahead and dive into the topic at hand. So five teenagers head off for a weekend at a secluded cabin in the woods. They arrive to find they are quite isolated with no means of communicating with the outside world. When the cellar door flings open itself, they, of course, go down to investigate. They find an, an odd assortment of relics and curios. But when one of the women, Dana, reads from the book, she awakens a family of deadly zombie killers. But when, in fact, I believe they're redneck zombie torture, what do they call them? Oh, uh, a zombie redneck torture family is what the board says in the movie. Yeah. Um, reads from the book, she awakens the zombies. However, there's far more going on than meets the eye. Way more. So... This film is an American horror comedy um, film directed by Drew Goddard in his directorial debut, produced by Joss Whedon and written by Joss Whedon and Goddard. The film stars uh, Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth, Anna Hutchinson, Fran Kranz, um, Jesse Williams, Richard Jenkins, and Bradley Whitford. Stars of the shows, if you ask me. Those two guys. I love Bradley Whitford. Oh, Bradley Whitford's amazing in this movie. He's so good. I just it, started rewatching uh, West Wing for like the millionth time. Oh, is he just, in that? Well, yeah. I mean, he's, I've never uh, seen West Wing, so that's why. Well, you should. It's great. He's like one of the main. He's the deputy chief of staff. Oh, uh, fair. Okay. <clears throat> the plot follows a group of college students who retreat to a remote forest cabin where they fall victim to a backwoods zombie while technicians manipulate events from an underground facility. Uh, the tagline, if you hear a strange sound outside, have sex. <laughs> and so, um, which is funny because I don't actually foresee that being on a poster. And if they did, yeah, I, I did it. not see that. So Maybe with the on the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, I could see that or some sort of, yeah. Well, th that's the thing about this movie is it has a real, you know, American Pie, not another teen movie, like a real 2000s um like teen comedy yeah in that sense except for it's not really a comedy but it is it, it's you know like it's weird yeah, because it reminded me of something while i was watching it but i can't think of it now it, it has the style of like the friday the 13th reboot it does it does but with it, it the it humor remind, side of it yeah i agree it reminds me of like a, a road trip or a euro trip um I, like I said, not another teen movie. Sorry. Nope. Um, like a, not another teen movie, which obviously spoofs all of those. But um, so 
uh, with a production budget of $30 million, principal photography began on March 3rd, 2009 in Vancouver and included or concluded in May of 2009. Uh, Joss Whedon co-wrote the script with Cloverfield screenwriter Drew Goddard, who, is all, who also directed the film, marking his directorial debut. Goddard previously worked with Whedon on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel as a writer. Um, Whedon described the film as an attempt to revitalize the horror genre. He called it a loving hate letter to the genre, continuing, It's a serious critique of what we love and what we don't about horror movies. I love being scared. I love that the mixture of the thrill of horror, the objectification, identification thing of wanting definitely for the people to be all right, but at the same time hoping they'll go somewhere dark and face something awful. The things that I don't like are kids acting like idiots. The de- uh, the devolution of the horror movie into torture porn and into a long series of sadistic uh, comeuppances, Drew and I both felt that the pendulum had swung a little too far in that direction. Completely agree. Concerning the sheer number of creatures to be designed and made for the film, AFX Studios' David Leroy Anderson estimated that close to a thousand people were turned into one of around 60 different monster types. The task necessitated renting a much larger facility to use as a workspace as a crew of around 60 people were recruited. The producers told them to commence work on December 15, 2008, ahead of the official January 1, 2009 start date. They only completed the work uh, by March 9th, 2009 production date, because as Anderson stated, we had nearly 70 people at peak, but in effect, we had 140 people because everybody had at least two jobs, which was crazy, but people had an incredible time. None of us were, are ever going to forget it. And we're, we are never all going to be in the same room again. Um, the underground complex elevators and control room were all sets uh, but for several wide shots, the British Columbia Institute of Technology Aerospace Building was used. Production designer Martin Whist referred to Stanley Kubrick and commented, "It's a very high-tech industrial, and it's brand. It's a brand new building, never been shot in before. I wanted the elevators to be without any controls, to almost feel like a glamorized freight elevator. The lobby I wanted to look slightly utilitarian." Uh, Utilitarian? Utilitarian? Utilitarian. Utilitarian. Like my, I'm having a hard time seeing. Uh, contemporary and institutional, um, sharp and almost characterless. Good God. Utilitarian. <laughs> Good God, I can't believe I couldn't say that. Utilitarian. But I'm all looking at it, and basically the tilitaire part was so mm-hmm. jumbled together. Then I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't make out the letters. A tie-in film with the video game Left 4 Dead had been, uh, Left 4 Dead 2 had been planned, with the game seeing downloadable content based on the movie settings. However, due to MGM's financial problems, the game content was canceled. But Valve allowed the studio to use monsters from Left 4 Dead 2 to populate the monster cells at the end of the film. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> that's so cool. I never played Left 4 Dead one or two, but I know that people love that game. Yeah, I've never played it either. Um, so, where are we at here? 
The Cabin in the Woods was slated for a wide release on February 5th, 2010, and then was delayed until January 14th, 2011, so the film could be converted to 3D. However, on June 17, 2010, MGM announced that the film would be delayed indefinitely due to ongoing financial difficulties at the studio. On March 16, 2011, the Los Angeles Times reported the following. New MGM chief executive uh, executives Gary Barber and Roger Birnbaum are seeking to sell both Red Dawn and the horror film The Cabin in the Woods, the last two pictures produced under a, pre- a previous regime, both starring Chris Hemsworth, um, as they try to reshape the 87-year-old company. A distribution sale to Lionsgate was announced on April 28, 2011, with some uh, industry news outlets reporting plans for a Halloween 2011 release. On July 20th, uh, Lionsgate announced that they had acquired the distribution rights for the film and set a release date of April 13th, 2012. Goddard described the deal as a dream, stating, There's no question that Lionsgate is the right home for Cabin. You look at all the films that uh, inspired Cabin. Most of them were released by Lionsgate in the first place. In an interview with Creative Screenwriting, Goddard focused on the advantages of the delayed release, saying, Lionsgate came along and they were the best possible home for that movie. Had the bankruptcy not happened, we wouldn't have been in the right fit with the right people. Yes, it took two years longer than we wish it would have taken, but Lionsgate didn't make us change a frame and believed in what we were trying to do. If I had complained too much when MGM went bankrupt, we could have hurt ourselves. We just held firm that we believed in the movie and that we would find the right home in time, and it did. It's hard, but you have to be very patient in Hollywood. A surprise early screening of the film was held at a at the Butt Numathon <laughs> in December 2011, attracting highly positive reactions. The film later screened on March 9, 2012, at the South um, at the South by Southwest Film Festival, also in Austin. The Cabin in the Woods was also re- was released on DVD and Blu-ray in North America on September 18, 2012. But the DVD and Blu-ray, oh, both the DVD and Blu-ray feature an audio commentary by Goddard and Whedon, several featurettes, a documentary about the making of the film, and a Q&A session at the 2012 WanderCon convention. Um... The Cabin in the Woods grossed $42.1 million in North America and $24.4 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $66.5 million against a production budget of $30 million. So doubled it. A little bit over. Okay. Not bad. Not bad. Um, where's that? The film, opened in, uh, the film opened in North America um, on April 13, 2012, which is, I mean, it was supposed to be 2011, which is what I had at the beginning, but mm-hmm. it's essentially 2012. Opening with $5.5 million and went on to gross 14.7 in its opening weekend in the U.S. at 2,811 theaters, finishing third at the box office. The Cabin in the Woods closed in theaters on July 12th, 2012, with $42 million in total earnings. The highest grossing countries in North America were the, uh, were the United States, Oh, sorry. The highest grossing countries after North America were the UK at 8.5, France at 2.4, and Russia at 2.3. Yeah. <clears throat> on 2013, <clears throat> on April 13, 2015, author Peter Gallagher filed a copyright infringement lawsuit 
in California federal court after the makers of the film, against the makers of the film, Gallagher claimed that due to the similarities between the film and his 2006 novel, The Little White Trip, A Night in the Pines, Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard had used his works without permission. The lawsuit demanded $10 million in damages. Whedon and Goddard were named as defendants, along with the production company Mutant Energy Productions and distributor, distributor Lionsgate. The case was dismissed five months later. Hmm. I've never heard of that book. I hadn't heard of that either. Um, so we do have some fun f- trivia facts. I had them on my second monitor, but I'm having a hard time reading on it, so we're just going to swap it over here real quick. Okay. Um, the thermal coffee, uh, the thermal coffee mug bong was a fully functional mug and bong per, as portrayed in the film, the sure. prototype, which of which cost $5,000 to make. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very expensive piece. I guess so. Yeah. Um, uh, so during the lake scene, the only student not to jump in the lake is Marty who remains fully clothed on the dock. This is partially due to Fran Kranz noticeably being in as good, if not better shape than the other male students in the commentary for the film. The writers joke that he was ripped like muscular Jesus and assert that if Marty shown being fit, that it would ruin the character. This is also partly why um, Marty wears baggier clothes than the other students. Cause he's fucking yoked. It's hilarious. Um, so when Jules kisses the wolf head on the wall, the tongues, the wolf's tongue is covered in powdered sugar to give it a dusty look and to make the scene tolerable for Anna Hutchinson. Yeah. Yeah, it's gross. So much of uh, Drew Goddard's inspiration for this movie came from his own upbringing in in Los uh, Alamos, New Mexico a place filled with scientists and co-workers all going about their business and living seemingly routine and ordinary lives, even though they were building nuclear weapons that could potentially destroy the entire world. He talks about this in, in the um, DVD special features. Uh, Whedon and Goddard wrote the script in just three days. You there, bud? Jesus. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Um, so... T- that According, makes sense. That's not the you know the most complicated uh, story. It's, it's essentially every cabin in a woods story. Like it's it's Evil Dead, but there's an evil corporation behind it. Well, that was the thing too. Is I like even the cabin looked a little bit like the cabin from Evil Dead. Um, According to the director, the scene that tested the highest with the audiences was the merman sequence. Makes sense. Yeah. I forgot about it. Like, I know Whitford kept bringing it up and, like, oh, they have to. Yeah. Like, they have to at least show them. And I was like, oh, they had them kill them. That was nice. (laughs) Um, So the failed rituals from other countries are references to various classic movies and monsters. The Kyoto ritual is a reference to Ringu, the ring. Buenos Aires ritual is a reference to King Kong. The Stockholm Ritual is a reference to John Carpenter's um, The Thing, and the Madrid reference appears to reference Dracula. Nice. Well, this is something I was thinking about. I was waiting for the right time to plug it in there. This could have been such a cool Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of cameo movie. 
Oh, God. It would have been so cool if they could have got some other companies involved and had, like, Jason in one of the boxes. Could you imagine? Dracula. Mm -hmm. That would be fantastic. You look over and you see fucking the Norse's head just in one of the little cells from the thing or his just chest, mouth, body. Like, I'm surprised they didn't find some way to put the neck or nama whatever from evil dead in the goodie room <laughs> like that would just that alone would have been cool to be like oh this was a setup for them and now we're doing something similar with these guys nice yeah that's true so i'm sure legally they couldn't have but it would have been really cool that would have been awesome to see so drew goddard and joss whedon wrote the screenplay for themselves after both coming off of failed film projects they locked themselves up in a hotel room in order to challenge themselves and almost wrote the script in in one weekend um so the discernible signs tom link holds up um, on the monitor were intended to be visible and read help me i'm in the utility closet a dragon bat has my scent I'm Ronald the intern. <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, Drew Goddard attempted to zoom in and make it um, um, readable to the audience, but it's just simply not possible. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. Um, Kevin, one of the monsters in the whiteboard, is a tribute to Elijah Wood, Wood's character of the same name from the movie Sin City and the original oh, cool. Frank Miller graphic novel. Um yes. So the Latin that Dana reads from the diary is dolor supervivo caro, dolor sublimus caro, dolor igneo animus. It means pain outlives the flesh, pain uh, raises the flesh, pain ignites the spirit. Creepy. And now Brandon is going to have a bunch of pain zombies flooding his house (laughs) in the next couple hours. Oh shit, that's right. I should have just like not (laughs) read the last word. Um... So the being with the golden sphere is named in the credits as Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain. What a name. Which is funny because, yeah. I mean, it is very Hellraiser-ish. Yeah. Um, and he was cool looking. Don't get me wrong. Like, I have a pin with it, mm-hmm. uh, just his head that I got in my BAM box a while back. Bam. But what's up? BAM. BAM. Um, so since we blew through these, there's just a couple more of these left. Um, the scene Hmm. where Kurt asks Jules about the textbooks, what are you doing with these? Who gave you these? Who taught you about these? (laughs) She answers, I learned it from you. Okay. I learned it from watching you is a take of an 18, uh, 1987 anti-drug PSA where the father, father confronts his son about drug paraphernalia and gets a similar answer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I love that scene where he's like, who taught you about this? She's like, I, I learned it from, I you. Learned from you. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, okay. So uh, Fran Kranz, who played Marty, received extensive prop and behavior training in order to capture the stoner, stoner persona of Marty. He received a two-hour joint rolling session and a separate bong lighting session from expert consultants. Imagine that being your job. My job is to teach you how to roll joints. Mm. I'm in the wrong business. I don't smoke personally, but I would learn how 
so somebody could pay me to show others. Right. <laughs> you know, um, in addition to the famous, tra- uh, famous travel mug bong, a number of more subtle marijuana paraphernalia appear in the film. This includes Marty's stash, his secret stash, a smaller pipe, a tulip joint, and a joint uh, kept in his pocket in his pants. The prop crew even designed the film's own brand of rolling paper, Smiling Buddha Papers. I'm glad they took that part so seriously. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, Oh, so the car that Marty drove... Um, I think it's a Volvo. It's the same car that uh, Drew Goddard drove in high school. Goddard also had the strange habit of locking doors without rolling up the window. <laughs> um, there are some other things in here that I didn't necessarily write down. It was nominated for a bunch of awards, like a, like an, like a crazy amount of awards. That um, it did win a British Fantasy Award. Um, at the Fangoria Chainsaw Award, it won Best Screenplay for the Directors, Best Supporting Actor, Marty, Best Wide Release Film, Best Makeup and Creature Effects, Best Horror TV Spot, with, oh, and that one right there was at the Golden Trailer Award. And then it won True. Best Horror or tra- uh, Thriller Film at the 2013 Saturn Awards. But it was nominated for... Nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven. 10. It was nominated for an eleven other awards, and then it came. It was a runner-up for um, best original screenplay, and it came in fifth for best picture at the Central Ohio Film Critics Association. But yeah, there's a lot uh, <laughs> stuff in there. Um, Fair enough. The but, fi- I mean, it's the- certainly a, a clever idea, and it's something I'm a little surprised no one ever, aside from apparently someone who wrote that book, mm-hmm. had thought of before, of, like, all of these crazy, random horseshit things that happen in horror movies are being done to these people, even whether it's sacrifice or not, it's being orchestrated by someone else. It's just a cool idea. Yeah, it really is. The film's final scene, written by Whedon, is meant to be his version of the "You always were an asshole, Gorman" scene from James Cameron's Aliens. Um. So, the Harbinger, Tim Desern, was cast using a scene that had him fighting with a vending machine over a dollar, while remarking on some pretty big and kind of out there existential ideas. Which is funny because I, the best part, like one of the best parts of the movie, is when he calls, you know, and he's talking all cryptic and saying, you know, God, all doom and gloom, like you know, make sure that they bathe in the crimson of mm. this and that, mm-hmm. and it's so over You're the just top. Laughing at him. Um. So Lionsgate was so behind the film that it reconvinced Goddard and Whedon that it was actually a good movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it's definitely a Lionsgate kind of movie. Yeah. Like, it, it totally feels like their brand. Yep, 100%. So, we will um, go ahead and cut those there. If you're still curious on more fun facts, they're not hard to find. IMDb has got them all. Mm-hmm. So, so many more. Yeah, we'll talk about the movie itself. So, this movie's great. There's a few things that... 
I'm kind of like I was I was kind of curious about. Um mm-hmm. and we'll talk about them a little bit more <laughs> when we get there. Um mm-hmm. I do like how the the movie starts out though where it's kind of got like these blood drips and then inside the blood it's got the depiction of what looks like ancient rituals and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm like, oh, "Okay, that's cool." Um they don't I mean, it lets you kind of paints the whole sacrificial picture yeah. of which that it's basically you know set to be about which is funny because out of all the movies about you know sacrifice and this and that this is definitely one of the more unique takes on it Mm -hmm. um so the funny part is like i was watching this movie it just starts out and um you know does the whole wide shots of the complex just let you know how big the place really is and then it cuts and then we're in um at the city or town whatever they go to the house where dana's at almost looks like it's like a sorority house or some some sort sort of of like yeah apartments or something yeah and i'm like okay so of course right when that scene happens my wife walks in it's almost (laughs) like anytime there's anything you know risque mildly inappropriate or yeah yeah, yeah, that like, sounds about right. Right, and so <laughs> my wife's like, she's watching this, she's looking at it, she's like, nobody does that. And I'm like, I, I get it. Because it's, it, it's, it's bad, but like everyone... They just, do in horror movies. Yeah, she's just, you know, Dan is just standing there in front of the window with no pants on. Yeah, no and shades drawn or anything. Nothing Clearly like that. visible from the street. Right. Um, and so we start to kind of... Um, I don't know. She's just so scattered that so much stuff's going on. She's packing and, you know, Hemsworth comes busting in. This is, well, when was the first Thor? Uh, 2011. So this, I think this was filmed before it or around the be. same time as Thor. Yeah. Cause he's definitely ended not up coming out after. Right. He's definitely not in Thor, Thor shape. Like he's obviously in good right. shape, but he's not like, yeah, it's Chris Hemsworth. Like he's never not in good shape. Right. Chicken legs. <laughs> But he, you know, he comes busting. What's that? <laughs> Bitter much? Not at all. The dude is a fucking specimen, right? Handsome <laughs> as shit. He's got hair. I don't. Um, he's jacked, but like he's all upper body. Like I saw a picture where he was standing with his kids and I was like, oh, Thor skips leg day. <laughs> no. But no, I like, I would definitely take being that yoked and have chicken legs. Not a problem. Beefy Thor just comes walking in and throws a football right out the window where his buddy's out. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Classic jock moves here to start out the film, which oh, yeah. is funny because it, it kind of paints the stereotypes early, but it, they're not actually like that. Because as you learn later on in the film that like, you know, Marty's like, oh, well, you know, what's going on? Why is, you know, why is Kurt acting like this? You know, he's a, physio or sociology major or something like that like he is um he's too smart to be acting like that yeah and so well, and that's and that's an interesting point though is because they talk about it in passing later of like they started introducing toxins into these guys's bloodstreams and whatever before they even got to the cabin well, yeah, like, oh, that's true. Like the, yeah. the blonde's hair dye was supposed to like seep into her mm-hmm. and make her more promiscuous. And right. the 
stoner's stash was supposed to be tempered with so that <laughs> he would be more i don't know whatever they wanted him to be which is funny because it ends up being it ends up having the opposite effect and they're like yeah. god damn it he's supposed to die well um, and when they leave there's someone staked out on top of her building so it's like they've been scouting these kids for oh, some amount of time long. to yeah. get them to this place yeah and so they're they're gearing up for the camping trip they're getting ready to go um Right before all that happens, we get a glimpse of the co- um, the travel bong and then, you know, painting the whole stoner cliche. So the cool, and this is what I want, I, I want more of is as they get to the um, facility and they open the doors, like these giant vault doors, and they get in there and they have like this trained military guard who's checking IDs and badges and stuff like that as they come and go. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah I, I definitely would like to know where just more on the facility itself like what they're a part of is it a corporation is it a military thing governmental well, um, they're stopping such a big th- i mean they're stopping the end of the world so i mean it's gotta be government funded or maybe privately i suppose but like it's a thing that's been going on forever yeah it's like lost with the alarm clock right like somebody's yeah. got to be there to snooze it, otherwise the world is over. Yeah, um, pretty much. So yeah, like the, then they they pull up, they pull up and have the the awkward exchange with what's his name, Mordecai, something like that. Probably um, that seems like the classic. It's this very stereotypical crazy old man warning them of doom. Right. It's it's a it's a darker version of Crazy Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go that mm. way. um and so yeah that like it's just it's it's really awkward and i honestly i don't think that even myself it would have been enough to to drive me away from going away from that gas station well from the gas station yes but i definitely (laughs) wouldn't have been like oh can't go to the cabin because this guy's a fucking creeper Um, no but we've seen enough of these movies where it would make us go hmm hmm, this usually doesn't turn out well Nope, there's always some weird-ass gas station with somebody that just... Can't go down that road. (laughs) Hey, can't go that way. Can't go down that road. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, I can't remember the rest of the line he said. I can't Um, either. Because I love it because they do a riff on it in South Park, too. Well, yeah, that's what that's from. Well, isn't it from Pet Cemetery though? I I haven't watched Pet Cemetery, so I don't think so. What I got from a South Park. Yeah. <laughs> kind of got out of that way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the first glimpse that you really get that there's something weird going on is when, you know, they're following the, the Ramblers. It's making its way, which another fun fact was is that was inspired by the um, Winnebago from The Hills Have Eyes. Hmm. Um that the bird flies right into the force field and just boom. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I remember when I was watching the movie, I was like, Oh, that's kind of weird to just have this random giant hawk thing flying. <laughs> and then it hit the force field. And I'm, oh, oh, okay. oh I, God. I bang, fuck. I'm dead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> boom. Um, and so, yeah, dude, like they get, all right. So they get to the house and I'm like, man, that's awesome. Like I really would love to have a cabin in the woods. 
or near a lake. Like just that, not this cabin. Yeah, just not this, this particular one with the fucking with the cellar of trinkets that I could just mm-hmm. do without. Sure. But like just to have like I, I'm gonna get out of town for the, like a long weekend and just go stay like that. Would, oh, it'd be ideal, especially during the winter. Just fireplace like one that's going. Considerably nicer than this one. Yeah, it's a little rundown looking, but at the same time, like I'd fix it up a tad. They're sure. obviously pretty close to a lake. That's an ideal situation as well. Sure. Um, so they're getting all settled in, and it's really weird because I don't think that people they expected them to find the two-way mirror situation. Like, well, no, I think it was more like a test. I feel like because I mean that that picture on there is very disturbing. gross and disturbing. So. Any, you would naturally be like, I don't want to sleep with that in my room. So you would naturally take it down or what she ended up doing is covering, covering it. Covering it, right. I think it was a test to see if he was going to be like another pervy jerk stereotype or if he was going to be the good guy. Oh, okay. And then I, that I would that. have changed. Because they even make a thing about, oh, they changed rooms. So we need yeah, to switch yeah, things up a gotta little bit. Got to note this, got to note that. Yeah, yeah. that makes I, sense. I think they were expecting him to take advantage of the situation and just be pervy on her. Or right. at least watch for a little while. Right, and I could see that. Because like, you think about it, like that's not... Um, not everybody would be like that, you know what I mean? Be the respectful type. Where we're at. So they, you know, we get back to the facility and it's super rad because this is where you kind of get a glimpse of like the board, like they're taking bets. So like there's X amount of different, um, hold on. I'm going to lock the door so nobody comes busting in because there's like three kids here now. Um, So they're taking the bets they got the board set up with all the different options. Like there's just creatures for days on there. And this is where the, like we've talked about the meme about, you know, um, uh, where the meme came about with the, um, you know, who had this for whatever, Mm, you know, talk about whatever sort of fucked up situation we have going on right now. Um, which is, that's where this is from. Mm -hmm. And the bet they ended up, the, the bet that won, obviously, was the redneck zombie torture family. And yeah. um, even though fucking, um, God, I forgot his name, Whitley. Whit- what's his name? Whitley? Brad Whitley? Brad. Bradley Whitford. Whitford, yeah. So Whitford, like, he was like, man, I really want the, he's like, the, the merman. Like, he just keeps talking yeah. about the merman. Like, this would be super cool. And honestly, yeah, he's, he wants to see the merman. And honestly, you know, <laughs> that pays off later. But yeah. they um, talk about uh, the guys in, um, I forgot what his name is, but the guard, he basically looks like he's some sort of trained guard in every movie he does. Mm-hmm. Um, was like, you know, you're the rigged bets, like you guys control the outcome. But then, you know, we get the explanation talking about how it's... Um, it's free will essentially. So it has to be specifically that way because of the fact, you know, to satisfy the, you know, the ritual to be completed, whatever there Mm -hmm. are rules to it. 
And so basically... They just stack the deck incredibly difficult to the point where they... Like when Hemsworth and What's-Her-Face are in the woods Mm -hmm. and she's like, no, no, let's go back to the cabin, blah, blah, blah. It's too dark and they make it lighter. They release pheromones. Yeah, they pump the pheromones to be like, (laughs) okay, you're not... So it's tough because it's like, yeah, they could have not read the book. They could have not played with all the trinkets and just had a nice evening upstairs. Yeah, but curiosity will always get the better of people. Like if I walked out and saw all that... No, be like we shouldn't be down here. I don't know no, who's uh, that's this the is. thing. I mean, with everything we've seen, to be like, yeah, I feel like no, none of these look like pleasant items. Right. Let's just go upstairs and watch TV. Well, and the cool and the, or the go funny, home. yeah, and the funny part about that too is that like Hemsworth himself almost does two different ones. Yeah. Like he almost opens the you know the little circular box to mm-hmm. you know draw the fornicus. And then he had the seashell, which would have brought the merman, which is why, you yeah. know, Whitford was so upset because he was that close to mm-hmm. getting his merman. Um, but, like, explaining that they have free will to basically pick something. And then that's what's really crazy, too, is because, like, when somebody dies, um, which actually was the next thing we we're going to talk about is kind of... Um, the uh, cellar full of trinkets, you know, Marty's like, I'm drawing a line. Do not read that mm-hmm. that Latin. And it's like, yeah, no shit, man. Like, evil dead aside, like, ha- like it happens. Like, don't, if there's if there's Latin, it's not happening. Like, I'm just, no. aside from talking about <laughs> this movie. That is the obvious saying that is on t-shirts everywhere. If it's yeah. in Latin, it ain't happening. Yeah. Oh, is it really? <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. No, that's just the thing that you said. It, we should put it on a oh, t-shirt we... and sell it. <laughs> if it's in Latin, it ain't happening. <laughs> that that is going on a t-shirt. Thank you. That's, that's what I'm great. here for. Hey, <laughs> awesome. I'll come up with some sort of. I'll come up with some. Dude, we just should like do that. Evil looking book. Yeah, or I'm literally just you know like a, like in Monster Squad where it says Stephen King rules. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about just putting you know script on the front of a shirt, and then putting the little logo at the bottom. I'll put it in quotes. Like it'd be hilarious. That's a great That'd idea. Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the Latin gets read. The Buckner family wins. Marty's mm-hmm. kind of figuring it out as it goes. Like he's noticing, you know, things stand out to him because he is smoking so much that it's kind of negating the effects of what they were trying to do. And so like when he breaks the, the lamp gets broke and he finds, you know, the camera and then he finds the line and he's like, what the fuck's going on? And then, but anytime he says anything, it's kind of just dismissed dismissed because he's a stoner. They're like, it's a classic trope. Don't listen to this guy. He's a, you know, he's a pothead. Um, but then, you know, they have the weather control, they control the pheromones, they can control the lighting, you know, talking about got to keep the customer satisfied, which almost made me wonder, like, they don't ever talk about it again, but it's like, do people watch this? Like, is this something that everybody knows about? Or is it just a saying? Is it just the line talking about got to keep, you know, got to keep the customers happy? I don't know. I don't know. That's... Um, but then we get a- it's tough because it's like I think they don't really explain it but it is it's kind of like they need to 
to do this and for this to play out a certain way mm-hmm. in order to follow the rules of right. the sacrifice, which back in the day before, you know, all the drug use and promiscuity, promiscuity mm-hmm. the rules would have had to have changed throughout the years to accommodate. Okay, that's fair. Like, because this movie is very much the classic horror trope stereotypes. Yeah. The stoner, the jock, the nerd, the virgin, and the slut. Like, they're all... It's a Friday the 13th movie with office space thrown in. (laughs) But... Fair. That wouldn't have been the case, you know, in the 1920s. Okay. So it's hard, and we also don't know how often they have to do this. Is it a? Maybe I missed it, or I'm not remembering. I don't remember their hair. I don't remember hearing a time frame well, either. No, because they do say better luck next year, so maybe it's a yearly thing. Okay, that makes sense. Like, I mean, how many times are you going to try to sell the cabin? How many more family members do you have that you can sell the cabin to? Yeah. Um, and so. You know, they're out in the woods. They're kind of doing their thing. And another fun fact about this scene was they were talking, as um, Goddard was talking about how awkward it was to direct the nude scene with Jules, Mm -hmm. which I get it. Like, that would be an awkward thing trying to direct somebody that has no clothes on in front of you. Um, But then, you know, this is where the first attack kind of happens. Jules gets stabbed through the hand. Um, It's just a brutal brutal scene um get chased yeah it's almost it what's really sad about it is it's like if they hadn't been stacking the deck so much they might have that might not have happened yeah like it really seemed like she was trying to resist it all but they kept pumping in the pheromones and egging them on and making it to the point where they had no choice but to do it right Exactly. Um, yeah. So they have the attack. Everyone's getting kind of fucked up, and then they run like they're back at the apart, uh, the cabin, and then mm-hmm. you know Hemsworth shows back up. He's all fucked up, and mm-hmm. then you know the big, the biggest of the zombies. He's like standing in the, the doorway. Dad, yeah, yeah, the dad. He's standing in the doorway. He's got Jules' head, you know, and Dana's like, I'm not leaving without Jules. And he throws the head to her, and it's like, well... And that was the thing I wrote down, go. is that the dummy head actually looked quite a bit like Jules. Like, I'm like, yeah, they, did, they did a real good job on, on the, pros- the prosthetic for that, because mm-hmm. we've seen some real bad head cut off, zombie head, whatever scenes, and I'm like, that thing actually sound like it looked really good i mean the sound mm. effects from like the plop and stuff like that yeah but like visually i'm like wow that's one of the better yeah it just shows how far we've come in effects work going from the beheading in friday the 13th which was very much like well, yeah. paper mache and then <laughs> to this where it actually looks like it i mean it's obviously faked uh but it looks like it could be pretty close to what well, it would be true and even that like it's still not even that bad like i would i would almost say that that was just as good as anything that they're doing now i mean yeah. um so this isn't the only country we get a glimpse that it's happening everywhere 
lots of wares. Um, and they, they, they figure out that they got to try to, you know, it's time to escape. It's time to go. They, they jump into the, um, the Rambler to just get out. Yeah. And they're like, why isn't the fucking, the, tr- the tunnel blown? And they're like, we didn't get the memo. And so they're racing through it and uh, Jenkins is running and he, you know, he finally gets there. He gets it to explode as they're backing out and they're like, well, fuck, we're stuck. And, you know, Hemsworth's like, no, I can jump this. That's great. Blah, blah, blah. So he pulls the dirt bike off the back and goes to jump it. And it's like, okay, it's a real possible scenario here. Yeah, I feel like he probably could have made it. Or at least gotten close enough to jump off the bike and then make it. Yeah. He hits the force field and then continues to hit it all the way down, which is a <laughs> decent amount of down. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, long, uh, it's long, a st- long way down. Like yeah. holy crevasse. It's, <laughs> it's long. And, but the thing was, is like, he gave this big old gnarly, you know, pregame speech. He's like, you know, I don't remember exactly what he said, but you know, we got to get it. And we're going to get it, blah, blah, blah. And he should have known he was going to die right before he did it. Yeah. We we then learn that the, the ritual is complete and it's okay as long as everybody else dies and the virgin is the last to die. The fifth one is an option. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because when they die, like the blood, like this thing kind of bl- knocks blood down. But what I don't get is... Who's like? Is it their blood? Like it? Like there's no way that's that it what can I be their thought blood. at first, but I don't <laughs> think so. It can't be. How? I mean, how are they going to harvest their blood that fast? They're all. Well, still the other there. thing is, you get a fake out when the stoner quote unquote dies. <clears throat> the thing opens up for Whitford to pull the lever to make the blood run down. Yeah, and that's what I don't get. Because like, if that's the case, why didn't everybody just die? They just be like, okay, we succeeded, we're good, even though the stoner's still alive. Like it doesn't yeah. make sense. Like how does, how does the how does the entity know? Well, and that's and they also kind of suggest like there's someone above them, above mm-hmm. their level, who's commentating on things. Probably, yeah, and I could, yeah. The idea of like they didn't get the memo to blow the bridge. But, you know, who would have sent the memo to do it, or the signal to do it, if it wasn't Bradley and What's-His-Face, like, it would have been the person above. They almost suggest, like, there's someone tampering with the evening, trying to make it not happen. Right, well, I mean, also, like, who, who's the one that calls the red phone while they're celebrating to let him know that, you know, obviously something's wrong yeah because like and then you find out well and like i got blade vibes with the stone and then the blood dripping down the stone yeah i was like mm-hmm. okay um i kept wondering if because i hadn't seen this movie in a long time i was wondering if the twist was going to be that what's her face wasn't actually a virgin well and they she she says that early on she's the virgin role she plays right. the role as the virgin but she's like Vir- i'm not a virgin yeah, that's kind of what they, and that's what I was thinking, like, oh, maybe that's where they're going to go wrong. Because I remember, you know, they screw up and all hell right. breaks loose. I was like, oh, I wonder if it was going to be that they picked the wrong kind of girl. 
and since she's not actually a virgin, it, it would backfires fail. and doesn't count. That would that would be horrible. You're like, oh, we got it. Oh, we didn't. Um, so well, it's kind of what happens, just in a different way. Right. And the funny thing is, too, is that, you know, after they talk about how this happens and, you know, Dana's just getting fucking wrecked by, you know, Big Buckner <laughs> mm-hmm. and thrown around and just getting annihilated. And then we find out that Morty, or Morty, sorry. Morty. Hey, Morty. Hey, uh, gee, Rick, I, I really thought the guy was oh, dead. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, gee, Rick. <laughs> um, and so... That's when we find out Marty survives, and it's like, oh, shit. And the cleverest thing about that, too, is that when they're like, we got to hide, we got to get away, he's like, let's get in the coffin. And they're like, fuck you. Why would, I, you know, why would I get in the coffin? And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's how they got in there in the first place. It's hmm. awesome. Because, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's clever. There's, so, uh, like, a lot of clever things written into this movie. Yeah, it's, they definitely did a good job kind of reverse engineering. Okay, if we have someone pulling the strings on this, how would that happen? I would like to kind of see if, if uh, Whedon and Goddard would, you know, kind of do like a James Wan or uh, some sort of like, just kind of bring something, you know, newer to the horror game and kind of like what they tried to do 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um you know, continue to do that because it, it's clever. There's a lot of stuff in here. I'd love to see more stuff like this. Um, well, and that's what sucks. Like the ending, it has to be a prequel. Yeah, there's no way unless, like, I yeah, I don't know how they would fight it. But yeah, because all the other ones failed. Mm-hmm. So and it would have to mean that you'd have to watch early versions where. Everybody succeeded. died. You're like, we know yeah. that they're gonna die. We just don't know how this and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you I can mean, all... the virgin role can survive potentially, right? And that was the thing too, because you know they were they worked their way through the system. They're like they're in the elevator. They're going from different spot to different spot, and they're you know getting glimpses at different monsters and different. They look like cells, but it almost just looks like they're in rotating blocks that mm-hmm. kind of move freely. And it's like, well, that's a real disorganized system, <laughs> like just yeah. moving blocks. And um, so they um, they came to they 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 keep catching these breaks though, because the the elevator opens up, and then the guards like you know get in there, and then all of a sudden the zombie arm grabs him and mm. knocks him over and it's like oh my god okay and freaks him out so he starts shooting that which gives them the opportunity to bum rush him yep exactly and knock him to the ground <laughs> exactly and they just get missed by the giant man bat thing oh my god yeah dude and so they get down there and they do the system purge where they let all the monsters out i feel like that's not a thing they should have on their console that should not be like, on a console at all why would you have a giant mass evacuation In- of the monsters button in the lobby. Yeah. Not behind the actual doors. Yeah. And the glass isn't even bulletproof. Like, no. It's, oh, I mean, the, it's not bulletproof. Well, it it's resistant, like, I guess. Yeah. But, but that, yeah, that bat just came. And it even looked it looked and sounded like a little dragon, too. It's mm-hmm. like, ah. Um, 
And so this is the like the craziest part of the movie because you know Code Black, there's just monsters everywhere. The giant snake coming and fucking, dude, it is mm-hmm. just chaos for the last part of the movie. People- yeah, I kept trying to like point, especially when they were showing all the cells and stuff. I kept trying to see like, oh, what's that one? What's what can that I one see? Be? What's that? Right. Um, it looked like you saw the the shining twins in one. It almost like yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. So there's a werewolf that does some work. There's Mm-hmm. The unicorn skeleton ghost thing. The unicorn was a great touch. Yeah, impaled dude. Yeah. Um and so we the last couple of things here we have, you know, had his name's Hadley. I kept we kept I kept calling him Whitford, but Hadley he gets he's laying on the ground after it gets blown over. Um mm-hmm. and he's just laying there on the ground and all of a sudden this thing's, you know, crawling towards him and it's a, a merman. Mm-hmm. And he's all chunky and big looking. And it's just, he's like, oh, seriously? Oh, come on. <laughs> I've been Co- wanting to see these things the whole movie, and now it's going to kill me. And it goes over and it bites his head, and he's like just getting ate up. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, he's just shooting blood out of the blowhole. And I'm like, that's gnarly. That was a nice touch. <laughs> that's gnarly. I would love to see. I'm sure there's one somewhere, but like an, a horror mermaid movie <laughs> well, seems th- like a cool idea. Isn't that. Something with the new American Horror Story season, like the double feature is supposed to have like what Maybe. aliens and mermen or something like that. I don't know. Oh, I haven't. I haven't I, watched every time it. I look at a poster, I go, "It's what? It's that? <laughs> what are they doing? Um, people are back from earlier seasons, but they're not. But they are. And... But they, yeah, like oh, um, Evan Peters is back as what this time? Okay, well, yeah, okay. he's in every season. Right. That almost doesn't count. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have your handful that are, that are you know, repeat offenders. Yeah. Um, and so they get down to the the basement, not basement, but the under room there. And this the is where... levels. Yeah, we get the Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver bomb where it's Sigourney like, oh, sh- <laughs> <laughs> she's the fucking director. And it's like, wow, what a cameo. Yeah. To get Sigourney in your movie. As soon as I saw it, I was like, of course Sigourney Weaver's behind it all. Yeah. Like, is she ever not? Yeah, makes sense. You know, (laughs) and she's just there running shit. And it's like, oh my God. And the way she explains it, like, I hate to say it, but if I was Dana, I would probably have killed Marty. Yeah. But I'm also. Yeah, I know you would have. Like, very quickly. I know you would have. Two seconds later, Marty's like, okay, well, if you're not going to kill me, I'm going to kill you. And then he ends up dying anyway. It's like, you just did this whole thing to be a douchebag. Like, there was nothing that to be gained by this. Well, Even d- if she was lying, right. you just sacrificed Dana to save yourself. Yeah. So how is that any better than her killing you and potentially saving the world? That's fair. I don't think that I don't think there is. But yeah, so there's, you know, he, she's holding the gun to his head. She's like, I'm sorry. And then they're like, well, wait, no, I'm not going to do it. And it's like, I'm sorry. You, your sacrifice is going to make sure that my daughter doesn't die with my wife in a horrible fashion. Yeah. I would even have off both of us <laughs> just to be like, if it's, you want us both fine. This yeah. is really going to suck. I'm going to have a real hard time doing it, but well, and that, that's the thing. Like I said, they end up both dying anyway. So they essentially doomed the planet. Yeah. Just to shove it to the people who did that to them in the first place, who yeah. were already all dead. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's already dead. There's nothing that could be done about any of it. And yeah. good job. Then we got the giant fucking molten lava. The fucking hand come out of the ground. Yeah. And, <laughs> 
fucking just smash. smash the cabin and it's like okay that's big but is it that big yes bigger no than us. it's bigger than us but it better be fucking uh, omnipotent <laughs> or something because i well, don't I mean, know dude like well, does it have powers can it shoot fire sure. can it what like what does it do does it I'm create a little the surprised monsters? it was just like a person arm yeah I it, wanted some like sort a, of tentacle or something like a yeah. I, like I a feel like it should have had like a Cthulhu. dragon arm or like a dinosaur kind of something, right? Some sort of animal beast thing a to be like okay. Kraken. A yeah, demon kraken? I mean like a, a human arm. It's like if you get a big enough cannon, probably gonna kill it. That's what I'm saying. Like, does it have special powers? Like, I'm not scared of what looks to be a molten man. <laughs> Like, well, and he's not even molten. Like, he can survive it, I guess. So that's right. Something. But the way he looked, he it can... looked like his arm was all crackled and burny. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, okay, we'd can... have to take a look again. It just looked like a person arm to me. Oh, yeah, it looked like it like had like lava esque looking fissures yeah. running through it. I don't like. I'll well, have that's to... something. I mean, if it has lava powers, that's no good. That's why I'm wondering. I'm like, can it? <sighs> like, it's over. Breathe fire. Like, yeah, if I can, if I could spit lava. To... You're done. <laughs> like, just start gleeking on everybody. That'd be horrible. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly how the movie ends. Just big old hand yeah. come out of the ground and smash it to black. And I'm it's the like, red state ending. Yeah, but I, we should talk about better? red state. I like I like red state. I do too. I haven't watched it in a long time. It's one of yeah, the few I, Kevin Smith movies I actually really like. <laughs> well, yeah, I like all of his movies. I, I didn't really care for Yoga Hosers as much, but it's still just like, oh my God, you got Bratzies. Okay. <laughs> this is out there, even for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's it. That's Cabin in the Woods and a real fucking pretty, pretty hour long bow tie. Mm-hmm. And that's even with the. Well, I mean, it's not incredibly cutouts. dense. It's not. Like, there's not a lot. It's very, like, keep saying, it's a generic Friday the 13th with some office space shenanigans in the background. Right. And it's great. I'm, you it know, is. Not to belittle the film at all, because I love it, but. Right. Well, and that's the thing, too, because I, I, I feel like this movie, we could talk a lot more about what could have been or what mm-hmm. what else they could have done. And I feel like we could do an entire bonus on just talking about that in general, being like, what would we like to see out of this movie if they were to do something different? Right. Or like... See, like, I mean, I think what could have been cool is if Stoner Guy kind of saw the air of his ways and then offed himself. Right. And it sort of quelched the problem. Well... Then you could have had a sequel where some new people take over that facility or a different facility from somewhere else in the world does their thing. Right. And the U.S. is still down for maintenance and cleaning or whatever right well and that was the thing too because like when they showed the kyoto and the girls basically cleanse the spirit Mm -hmm. and they're like and that was a like if that was one thing about this movie and it doesn't surprise me that all the kids survived because when they showed that early on i'm like that's dark yeah that's dark you're basically going to kill off a bunch of nine-year-olds but the Mm -hmm. nine-year-olds were the one that survived only to still die because dana didn't want to kill marty Right. And Marty and was a douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no sense. That's what's deep. That, that, I guess, is my only gripe about this. And it's tough because we live in a world of guaranteed sequels anymore. So it's like you would hope that there'd be another one, but it was over 10 years ago. 
so that's not going to happen. Right. But a series, I could see yeah. him doing something on like Shutter or HBO Max or something where they're like, let's give a season of, of stories of you know different instances of how each one like we know they're all going to die. Yeah. But dude, I would. The Rogue One of horror shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the thing too. Like, I would watch a Whitford and Jenkins. like geared to watching them because they were like i love both of those guys like Mm -hmm. whitford's creeping up there because i like the other guy like the dead from the dad from stepbrothers like i already like that guy quite a bit as it is but then whitford's just so good in this movie too and i'm like man i would love to watch you know an office style show horror where they're like hey this person's just gonna get it like I've always loved Woodford, even back in the Billy Madison days. Like, he's oh just, my he's god, great. I forgot that he was the douchebag yeah. from Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, good pull, good pull. Yeah, I've been I, I've been liking his career for a long time, just seeing him pop up and stuff. And he's a big horror guy now. I mean, he was in Get Out. Yeah, we talked about a while back. Yeah, he was, and like I, I don't know. I did I think we might have looked up a little bit what he was in what he's been up to too when uh we talked about Get Out. But yeah, Cabin in the Woods, I totally forgot. He was Colonel Flynn in the episode of What If. You yeah, know, and he, which he was also in the uh Handmaid's Peggy Tale. Carter uh one shot. Oh, was he? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, he was on the Handmaid's Tale for like 3 years. Like hmm. Rod Oh, he was Roger Peralta. And I love Brooklyn Nine Nine, <laughs> but that's not—that's neither here nor there. That's for sure. But fair enough. Yeah, that's it. That's um, a cabin, the the cabin in the woods. And if you guys haven't seen this movie and you're still listening, well, we appreciate you sticking it through with us. Sure. Um, let make sure to you let go us know. watch it because yeah, it's really fun. It is. Um, you can actually stream it on Peacock for free. I, I myself owned it already, so it wasn't that uh, big of an issue. Mm. Um, but yeah. It's it's so good. It's just a lot of fun. Like the what ifs on this one is is yeah. what gets me going. One well, is surprisingly not as gory as I remembered it. Being. Except for the very the... end, where just everything's covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, but you don't see any of it really. Like all the kills are kind of off screen. You get the aftermath of it. Yeah, just yeah. like the the Which bear trap in the back. Like you don't see any blood in the moment except for the head. Or, yeah. like, what's coming off of um, Hemsworth's head and his stab wound and stuff like that. But, yeah, yeah like, it's, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of blood in this movie, but that's mm-hmm. just, you get the aftermath of everything. You don't actually see... All the mutilations. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's pretty tame in that aspect. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's all I got on, on, on this one. Um, okay. If you guys are a fan of this one, make sure to let us know... Um, Comment on it. Send us uh, an email. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. Let us know what you guys think of it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, we can talk about what our, ne- uh, the, our next episode is going to be. I know that Justin mm-hmm. has his next batch ready, and we'll talk about that next week as well. But for the next episode... I'm doing a little bit of a what if ourselves here. So we're going to come up with a list of four horror mashups, matchups versus 
whatever. We're gonna we're gonna come up with our own what we would like to see in a say a Freddy versus Jason scenario. Like we would we're gonna match up some horror uh, some horror content and let you know we'll talk about what we would like to see. Like if we could have a movie made or a, a series made or man, I I would like everybody always talks about. I want to see you know Michael Myers and Jason fight. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about who we'd love to see fight, who we'd love to see team up, stuff like that. Um, And I'm actually looking forward to talking to this one, uh, talking about this one. Um, Justin up, uh, up the game a tad with his list. The list is good, but it's the backstories is which I'm going to, is where I don't have a writer's brain. So I don't, this is going to be a little bit trickier for me. Like I can tell you who I'm going to do. I just, I'm not going to, yeah, I got to figure out how to sell it to you guys to be like, I'd watch that. That makes sense. And so we'll definitely get back together in a week and we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. Should be a lot of fun until then you can, as always find us on all the social medias. We're on Facebook at pod and gore podcast. Uh, we got a page and a group. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at gore underscore pod. You can email us at pod gore at gmail.com. We are also on the Slasher app, which is also a lot of fun. It's a little a little unoptimized still. Like I, I have a hard time getting the notifications to load. It takes a minute, but it's still a super rad concept. So if you don't have it, I would definitely recommend getting it. You know, support yeah. that. It's a it's a fun idea. It's like mm-hmm. Facebook for horror fans. Um, yeah, just hit us up. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, always taking listener requests. I actually did forget until just now. I did get a message on the old Instagrams Ooh. from friend of the show. Where are you at here? From fan of the show, Zachary Paulson, who was actually the one who messaged us a while back and asked if we would uh, cover Van Helsing, Hmm, which which we did. So he messaged us saying, Hey, Pod and Gore, I know I just uh, requested a movie, but I would really like you guys to cover Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead trilogy. Some of my favorite, (laughs) some of my all time favorite horrors and movies. I love listening to you guys. You guys are so much fun. Xander Paulson. Well, Xander. I appreciate that. Yeah, very much so. It might be. You know what's funny? When I was watching this, I was like, you know, I'd really like to do the remake of Evil Dead because I really like that movie. And yeah. then I went, but we'd have to do the original how about, first, and I really don't like that movie. <laughs> how about we do, <laughs> how about we kill two birds, one stone, we do an original versus remake. Yeah, good. And if you want to, you can lean heavier towards the remake. I, I can lean more into the original. It might be a tad bit longer. But yeah. we can condense. We can figure a way to condense it. We can kill two birds right there, because I didn't mind the remake. I actually enjoyed it. I remember seeing, it was one of the first movies I saw at the Orion. Hmm. Um, and so, also Xander sent another message. Um, so thank you. Said, "Hey, yeah. Pon Gore, I was just listening to you guys talk about the Predator movie ideas." I think your office ideas is hilarious, but it gave me an idea. What if you did the first Predator reverse? So you do humans have sent out uh, a spaceship and invented lots of awesome sci-fi weapons that can kill almost anything that gets lost. It crashes on the Predator's planet. 
The predators take in the human and uh, nurses it back to health. After the human is back to health, it plans its attack. When the when the fellow um, when when then the predators oh we then follow the predator's point of view, trying to stop the human from killing the entirety of the predators. I think that'd be awesome, Xander Paulson. So interesting. Um, yeah, doing a, a complete flip on. Um, it's a different aspect. Like I've always, yeah. like I've said, I would love to see something predator related from the perspective of the predators yeah. and not so much just being, cause like alien versus predator, we got more so obviously the human element and then there's like the alien and the predator itself. But like, I would love a predator centric movie because yeah. there's, there's something to that more so than an alien like i'm not saying that like, the aliens are dumb because obviously they're not but they don't communicate the way that a predator does yeah the predator seems like a culture i think we were talking about it on our last episode where we did this it was a lot it's they're like mandalorians right star wars yeah whereas the alien xenomorph is like a hive mind it's, yeah there's the I, queen and then all of its little minions that it sends out to serve the queen. Right. Could you now imagine this? Could you imagine if so, like we were talking about, so predators, they, cause they kind of more clicky and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. that you would have to do subtitles. But could you imagine if they started out with subtitle and then it faded slowly into where you can hear them? I mean, you can give them deeper voices, whatever, and that they're I feel talking. Like that's exactly what I suggested when we did this. Was it for this? Yeah, my the... my uh, example was Valkyrie with Tom Cruise, and he starts out speaking that. German. Oh, and they and fade to that. Yeah, it slowly fades, and he starts speaking English. All right, your idea. I don't remember that, but I, that just popped in my head just now, and I was like, oh, that would be cool. So even doubly what... cool because you said it already. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> God, you get the credit. Oh, you better calm down. Give you a hard time at work tomorrow if you show up. Um, I'll be there. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, um, Xander, thank you so much for yeah, sending us cool. messages and letting us know what you think. Um, if you guys are watching anything, uh, feel free to let us know. Um, we got Seth on the Facebook page who generally gives, lets us know what he's watching and when he's watching and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it's a great way to kind of, um, you know, drum up conversation being like, Hey, I'm yeah. watching this. Like, let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, commentate so, on it. And if it's something we haven't heard of or done a movie, you know, done one of these of yet, it'll be like, Oh, maybe we could do that. Right. And we would love to do that because, um, it's been a minute, but also, like I said, hit us up. Um, we haven't done a Discord movie party since the last time, but I was this close to doing one yesterday. So mm -hmm. um, if you want to get in on that, let us know. But yeah. until we get back together a week from now to talk about our horror mashups, mm -hmm. we're going to get out of here for today. Alrighty. So we, uh, you, we bid you adieu. Thank you for hanging out with us all as always. And we appreciate each and every one of you guys listening and making it through to the end. But until then we have been your hosts, Brandon. And I'm Justin. And we'll see you guys in a week. Bye. Bye. Bye.